Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. I got an email from a listener recently. My name is Pratima Gupta. Pratima is an OBGYN in San Francisco. I do everything from pap smears to delivering babies to providing abortions. This woman, Pratima, she delivers babies and terminates pregnancies, which are two things that may seem like complete opposites. But the truth is they're part of one big continuum. You know, I can't tell you how often I'm talking to moms, and while they're telling me about their child, they also feel the need to tell me about an abortion that they had. You know, like the termination and the birth are all part of the same story. So it totally makes sense to have one doctor who does both. But it turns out, this job combination, it's really rare. It's its interesting how people just label you as, you know, the abortion doctor this is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. In today's episode, we will hear what it's like to be one of the few doctors who help women through births and abortions. Pratima's father was an obstetrician. He worked long hours, of course. And if one of his patients went into labor, his schedule could turn on a dime. When Pratima was a kid, she'd be out with him at the mall or something, and, and his beeper would go off. He'd have to rush over to the hospital to deliver a baby with Pratima in tow. And, you know, I was there in the hospital for hours on end, you know, just doing circles on those swivel chairs. And the nurses would be doing, you know, French braids on my hair, and I'd be eating graham crackers. And, you know, still to this day, I have trouble drinking juice boxes and eating graham crackers from that, those memories of that as a child. Yeah. And I just wanted that time with my dad. And so I thought, I'm like, I never want to do this. I'm not going to do this when I grow up or do this to my children. And of course, you know, I went through, through college and tried to stay away from medicine, but it kept sort of gravitating me back towards, you know, my brain was definitely geared towards science and altruism that involved in medicine of helping other people and making a real difference. Pratima was especially drawn to helping women. She loved the variety in reproductive health. You know, it covered pregnancy, cancer, menopause, delivering babies. She was crazy about babies. And in the end, that pull to help women overpowered her desire to not follow in her father's footsteps. So she went to medical school, studied obstetrics and gynecology, just like him. And she did rotations in a specialty called family planning, which basically means she got trained in how to do abortions. 
she was surprised to learn that it was a pretty simple procedure. And patients are, are often shocked that it just takes a minute or two for the actual abortion procedure to occur. You know, the number of times people say it's over, that's it, you know. And honestly, when I did my first abortion, that's how I felt. I was like, wow, that's actually not that technically complicated of a procedure. The patients themselves, now now they were complicated. Sort of by definition, every abortion patient was at a crossroads in their life. And Pratima was completely compelled by their stories. There was the woman with no partner and no family to support her, the woman who wanted to continue school, the woman who had been raped by a family member, the woman who already had a bunch of mouths to feed. Frankly, yeah, it's oftentimes the birth control failed or the, you know, the condom slipped or something and of people who already have children. They don't have the resources to support an additional child because they're already stretched thin supporting the children that they have. It turns out 60% of people getting abortions are already parents. That's a lot. And that's why when Pratima interviewed for the job she has now at an OB practice, she argued that they should hire her because she felt the patients needed her desperately. Like if they wanted to continue their pregnancy and get prenatal care, you know, congratulations. And they'd stay and take care of you and give you um, like a tote bag and a water bottle. But then if you were pregnant and it was undesired, they would refer you to the abortion clinic down the street. And I thought that was, you know, really discriminatory care they were offering our women. So I, when I interviewed, I proposed internalizing and keeping all of our patients who wanted abortions and had letting them get their services with us. And my, you know, personal goal around that was to sort of normalize abortion care that, and that literally is how my day is, is that, you know, patient number one could be a pap smear, patient number two could want birth control, patient number three could be an abortion, and patient number four could have menopause issues. And so it's just part of my day and mixed in through the normal stream because I look at it as part of normal women's health care. When Pratima said this, it, it made total sense to me that all of these practices would go together. But then I looked up how many OBs offer abortions, and, and I could not believe what I found. It's just 14%. 14%! That is it. This is according to a 2011 study in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And that same study said that 97% of OBs, so most of them, have had patients ask for an abortion. But it turns out that less than a quarter of OBs, so not very many of them, have had any formal training in abortion at all. And Pratima found that even in the medical community, this job combination can have a real stigma. Because I showed up and so many of our staff were like, oh, Dr. Gupta, oh, we've heard about you. We've heard about your work. We, we you know, and... Somebody even actually once said to me, I heard about your dirty work. And I was kind of shocked and offended. And I said, actually, it's very clean and it's very safe. And I'm helping women like we all do. But um, when I was first hired, I literally felt like I had the scarlet letter, like big A on my you know, face, the A being for abortion provider, not for adulterous. And what do your parents think about the fact that you provide abortions? You you said that your dad um, was an OBGYN. Um, was that part of his work as well? 
It wasn't actually. So my dad, um, he had a private practice, OB-GYN, and he did not uh, provide abortions in his practice. What is interesting when you ask about how my family felt about it. So I did a, after I completed my training in um, OB-GYN, I did what's called a fellowship in family planning. And when my mom would talk to her friends about what I was doing, you know, in classic parent style where they like to brag about their children, people hear family planning and um, they would think I was doing an infertility fellowship um, because it's sort of the more known, oh, so she's, you know, helping people get pregnant is what my mom's friends would ask. And my mom would sort of laugh and say, oh, no, actually the opposite, you know, and I, you know, would tell my mom, I said, mom, it's not quite the opposite, but it's more giving women the tools to decide when is the best time for them to become a parent. Pratima's making it sound easy here. You know, like you can just sit down and logically figure out when is the right time to become a parent. But of course, it's almost never like that. Coming up, Pratima finds this out for herself. Stay with us. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. <laughs> Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. We're back with OBGYN Pratima Gupta. Pratima met her husband when she was doing her fellowship. He's an engineer who was starting his own tech company, so he understood her crazy hours. Pratima says he joked that he had a doctor fetish because he liked dating women who were committed to their work. He proposed just six weeks after their first date. They took it slower with starting a family. After four years, they decided they were ready. So Pratima removed her own IUD, you know, as you do. I don't even know how you get at the right angle to do that. Anyway, they got pregnant their first month trying. Pratima had all the early symptoms she had heard about from her patients, you know, the sore breasts, the hunger, the fatigue. The first trimester seemed totally normal. 
And then there was something like a little maternal intuition kicked in. I was like, something doesn't, doesn't feel right. And I went into one of my exam rooms and actually ultrasounded myself, just put the ultrasound on my belly. Is, is this something that, that um, OBs are supposed to do, check themselves? I don't know about supposed to do, but I would have to say the vast majority of us do do it because we have the, uh, have ultrasounds at our disposal. But, um, and I knew right away that it was not normal. And so then I called a colleague of mine, a high-risk pregnancy specialist who then performed a more detailed ultrasound. He saw that essentially the contents of the fetus's brain were um, kind of outside of its body. And so it was an abnormality that, you know, couldn't survive. And um, we were pretty devastated, my husband and I. You know, we'd gone from, we were just so ecstatic. And it's hard, you know, I, I, despite everything I tell my patients, I started, you know, did this exact opposite of my advice and started planning names and imagining the, you know, my delivery and imagining this life with the child and then, um, unfortunately, this, you know, was a pregnancy that could not survive. And so I um, had to go through a termination myself, go through an abortion myself. Pratima sounds so matter-of-fact here. She says that's because of her training. In medical school, they taught her to compartmentalize her emotions, you know, so that her emotions would not get the better of her when dealing with patients in difficult situations, which, you know, is something she does every day, like several times a day. That's her job. And she's kind of brought that compartmentalizing into her own life. She can sort of become her own doctor in her brain and, and shut off the emoting. But even doctors can't always be masters of stoicism. The other day, Pratima was going through a pile of papers, and she stumbled across the ultrasound picture from that pregnancy, and she just started bawling. Pratima says on top of dealing with a loss back then, she also found it really disorienting to be a patient. So everything from like when I was signing the consent form, I actually signed the consent form on the the line of the doctor as opposed to the line of the patient, because that's where I was so used to signing. Hmm. And you know, had to sort of redo it because I was like, oh, no, I'm the patient in this scenario, not the doctor. It was, you know, definitely very intense and very overwhelming to go through all of that. And I think truly made me a better physician and a better abortion provider because of it, because now I can really truly understand what a lot of my patients are going through. Pratima says women feel all kinds of ways about their abortions, but there's this typical pattern she sees in a lot of her patients. You know, right after the procedure, they'll, they'll be hugging her, thanking her for giving them their life back. And then at the follow-up visit, a couple weeks later, they're feeling guilty. Not necessarily about the abortion, but about the fact that they feel relieved. There's this societal expectation that you should feel bad or you should feel a sense of loss or that you should grieve. And that's what surprised me, that patients felt guilty about their relief and um, after going through the experience myself, I understood it because I think I um, just realized that that's actually a very normal emotion. After her own abortion, Pratima and her husband struggled with infertility. All the while, she was surrounded by pregnant ladies. She'd go to her job, deliver a baby, show someone a fetus's heartbeat on an ultrasound. Then, still in her scrubs, she'd run out for an appointment with her fertility specialist. 
So I've talked to a lot of women with fertility issues, and almost all of them talk about trying to avoid seeing pregnant ladies. You know, they'll like do an about face on the sidewalk whenever they see a pregnant person. But Pratima couldn't help being bombarded by pregnancy. She says that sometimes, despite her training to compartmentalize, she'd start looking at pregnant patients and think, why can't that be me? To cope, she threw herself into exercise. She actually did a triathlon to her doctor's chagrin. After a year and a half, though, Pratima's fertility treatments worked. She was pregnant again. What was that like when um, patients would come in and see you with your pregnant belly? It was uh, it was interesting the number of comments I got. You know, I was trying to hide it for a long time, wearing bigger scrubs and wearing my white coat really loose and buttoning it over my belly. Pratima didn't want her abortion patients to feel uncomfortable. But, you know, I got to a point where I just couldn't hide it anymore, despite my best efforts. And one time I, I walked into a patient and her partner looks up at me and just said, dang, Dr. Gupta. And I just, he, you know, he just laughed. And I was, it, it, it just um, was something that patients often ask. And actually, even my colleagues and nurses would say, don't you find it hard to do abortions right now while you're pregnant? And did you? I looked at it, you know, especially having gone through the experience of, you know, of an abortion myself, I looked at it as, you know, this was not their time to become a parent and to continue on with their pregnancy, but it was the right time for me. So that's how I looked at it. And it I didn't find it difficult or challenging emotionally at all to provide their abortion while I was pregnant. Did it seem difficult on their part uh, to have an abortion performed on them by a woman who was pregnant? It is, you know, in some of the patients, in some scenarios, it did. And people sometimes say things or they would stare at my belly. And I was also, you know, during their consent process, I'd be worried that they would be distracted by it. So either when I saw them staring at my belly or when they would say something, I would just own up to it and explain to them that, you know what, it's not the right time for you to become a parent, but it is for me. Pratima kept repeating this mantra to me. It wasn't their time. It was my time, which seemed strange to me because only moments before she'd been telling me about her own pregnancy that didn't work out at a time when she very much wanted to become a parent. And I can imagine that for parents like that, this it's not your timeline would just make you feel worse. And when I was pregnant, it was oftentimes those patients my, you know, genetic termination patients and their partners who would just stare at my big pregnant belly. And it was, you know, sometimes a little bit of, a, you know, totally understandably, a little bit of animosity because they could see that the here I am clearly visibly pregnant, you know, carrying a normal pregnancy and here they are having to go through terminating an abnormal and highly desired pregnancy. And I remember that I had a patient and they were both, um, both of them were lawyers and they had an abnormality that was severe, but possibly could have survived. And they were having so much guilt around their decision to terminate this 
severely abnormal pregnancy because they said if anyone could support and had the resources to support an abnormal pregnancy, it would be us. But they said, but but we can't, we can't do this. We don't want to do this. And they were really almost apologetic. And they were a couple who I shared my personal story with too, to explain to them that, you know, you don't need to apologize. You don't need to feel guilty about the decision that you're making because, you know, it's, it's okay. This is not, this is an abnormal pregnancy and you are fortunate to live in a a time and in a place where you can access a termination and and it's okay. Have you ever felt personally conflicted at all um, performing abortions? I have. I, uh, I had a patient once who requested an abortion for um, a specific gender and... Um, I was really conflicted about that, you know, kind of doing a sex selective abortion. But I realized, you know, it's not my decision. It's not to decide if this is a right reason or not. You know, my role as her doctor and as her abortion provider is to make sure that she can get the care she needs. And if this is the reason why she wants to terminate her pregnancy, then I need to support her through that. Okay, we're going to take another quick break here. When we come back... Pratima will talk about what it's like to be an abortion provider and a mom. Don't go away. <laughs> Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. We are back with Dr. Pratima Gupta. Pratima has a son now. He's three years old. Have your thoughts about um, providing abortions changed at all since becoming a mother? They, they have, actually. I would actually say that I am more committed to being an abortion provider after becoming a mother. 
for example, in medicine, we sometimes have to work um, 24 hour shifts. And there was a time, you know, where I remember distinctly where my son got up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, the and the next day I had to work a 24 hour shift and he got up and he was throwing up at three o'clock in the morning. And it was just like, oh man, of all nights to wake up vomiting. And, you know, then you have to clean him up, strip the sheets, just the whole thing. And I realized, you know, I was okay doing this because I love him. And this was a very wanted and desired pregnancy. And, you know, if a woman has a undesired pregnancy, but yet is not able to access an abortion for whatever reason, and then has to go through all of the, you know, challenges of parenting, that would make it that much more difficult. You know, being a mom has made me even that much more committed to being an abortion provider to make sure that women can continue their pregnancies when they desire and can terminate them when they are undesired. And um, what does your son know about what you do for a living? Well, he's funny, young, because he is three, so it's hard for him to really understand. And so I ask him, what does mama do at work? And he says, help ladies. And so it's really sweet, you know, because I specifically made sure that I taught him that as opposed to saying deliver babies, because while that is part of my practice, I think it's not the only part of my practice. And I want him to understand that I am truly helping ladies. So so you said um, before that you're dad did not have a lot of time for you because of his job. Um, And that led you to feel like you did not want to go into his line of work. Are you finding that you have time for your son? So my father was in a private practice where he had a pager and at any time could have to drop what he was doing and go to the hospital to deliver a baby. And I have chosen a practice that has a little bit different of a structure where we all take turns being on call and covering the labor and delivery ward. And it's really a family-friendly policy. So when I'm home, I'm home and I get to spend time with him and don't have to worry about being pulled away to have to go to the hospital. I wonder, do other parents um, in your community know what you do for a living? (sighs) That's a great question. I, um, I am reticent to immediately reveal what I do to the parents of his friends. And I even remember on his very first day of school when I went to drop him off and I saw his teacher had this very sweet, delicate cross necklace and which could mean so much. I, you know, it, it didn't mean, but I just saw it in my, I got a little nervous and my heart started racing a little bit. And I was, you know, I had this bag that says, I love pro-choice doctors. And I um, kind of switched it so that that logo was facing on the inside so that she wouldn't see that. And I just was like, I'm leaving my child in your hands for eight hours a day. And I didn't want it to cause any conflict between her and my child. Pratima says she feels mostly pretty safe, you know, living in a progressive place like San Francisco. But still, she's careful about certain things, like she kept her maiden name so her son would have a different last name from her. And she never puts their address on school directories. And, you know, we have to take small precautions like registering our car in my husband's name and at his work address so that if anybody were to take a picture 
of my license plate as I'm driving away from our abortion clinic, as people tend to do. They wouldn't necessarily know where what our home address is. It sounds so scary to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, like I agree. I'm definitely am not scared, but I just have to take precautions. Like when somebody rings the doorbell, you know, like the, the poor Greenpeace volunteer who was trying to get my signature on a petition, I just talked to her through the window because I was home alone with my son and I was not going to open the door because I didn't know who this individual was. There's a lot about being an abortion provider that is not rewarding. You have to fear for your safety, your, your family's safety. And even when you feel like you're really helping women in need, it all goes down in private. You know, most of the time, it's completely secret. When Pratima sees her patients out in the world, she can't even acknowledge them for confidentiality reasons. But then even if they do acknowledge her, it can be awkward. Once Pratima was out with her family at a cafe and their server spontaneously hugged her. She was a former patient. Pratima couldn't explain to her son what was going on. Still, when Pratima's in that room with her patients, it can be super intimate. And she sees this moment of termination as just one point in the long line of their gynecological care. Today, maybe it's an abortion. Next, they'll work together on birth control. In a few years, maybe she'll remove an ovarian cyst. And who knows? Somewhere along the way, there could be another pregnancy. And I make my patients promise, I say, when you have your next healthy pregnancy, please let me know, send me a card, you know, send me a photo. And even a few patients have, when they have gotten pregnant again with healthy pregnancies, have then chosen to switch from their doctor to me as their doctor to provide their prenatal care in their subsequent healthy pregnancy. Oh, wow. What is what is that like for you to deliver a child from the same woman who you've, you've provided a, an abortion for? It is so wonderful and helps me. It, it just makes you realize this is exactly why I do this job. And it all makes sense is to help women through their challenging times and through the joyful and exciting times. And there's, you know, one woman who her children are, I think, like eight and six now. And she still sends me Christmas cards because of what we went through together, having gone through me terminating her abnormal pregnancy and then going through the pregnancy of her healthy six-year-old too. People, we need to talk about abortion more. Please use our website as a place to talk about it. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you're a parent who's had an abortion, like before you had kids or after you had kids. Or maybe you're on the medical side of this. You know, maybe you're one of those few OBs like Pratima who does it all. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and tell us about your experiences in the comments for this episode. That's episode 74. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineer is the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Anne-Marie Baldonado, Antonia Akitunde, and Brianna Breen. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. I imagine that I would be like a warrior woman out in the garden, baby slung on my back, just spilling my milk on the soil, fertilizing the garden with my womanhood. Life on a farm with baby. 
Turns out it doesn't quite go the way she'd imagined. Don't miss that show. The best way to make sure you catch it is to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, please rate us and write us a review so that new people can find our show. This podcast drops at three o'clock in the morning on Wednesdays. That's Eastern time. But if you're not up then, and I hope you're not, you can get it six hours earlier. Just subscribe to our newsletter. Go to our website and enter your email in the little box there on the homepage, and I will send you a secret link to the episode. My favorite part of my job is to hear all of your stories. I especially like the weird stuff. I know you guys are a bunch of weirdos, right? So go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Stand up. You sing your wolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf! You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.